Sunday. And we're actually <laughs> early. There's a reason for that, though. We'll get into that. We will. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And my name is Steve. And it is Sunday, but more specific, it's a special Sunday. Why is it a special Sunday, Steve? Because it's game day. Tonight, the Cincinnati Bengals will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City for the AFC Championship. After not tonight, one of these two teams will be headed to the Super Bowl, and that game will be played at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Okay, so I... <laughs> I am not a football person. Like I realize that I am playing into the stereotype of girls not following football, which is an incorrect stereotype, by the way. Because but, now they have a lot of the announcers are girls well, Cincinnati, or females. Cincinnati I'm sorry. has a women's uh, team. And they have these announcers here because they will bring in like the the human side of the story. Instead of just the play-by-play. Which is dumb. Like, yeah, well, girls can do the play-by-play too. But anyway, that's not what, I'm, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is I have not been a football fan, and especially not a Bengals fan, because the Bengals have not... Like, when I was growing up, the Bengals were not a winning team very often. And I think we referenced it last week or, like, in another episode that... Um, the Bengals of old, some of the players got in trouble Hmm. kind of a lot. And so they were not like a super highly thought of team, but the Bengals that we have now, like this team, I love them so much. Like not only do they win, but the players are really cool. Like they are. Um, so I, I feel like it's. If you are on the internet, specifically social media, there's Bengals everything everywhere all the time right now. And I have learned really interesting things, like the fact that fish cannot drown. I learned that from watching the Bengals. And how did you learn that? I learned that from watching the Bengals because somebody asked quarterback Joe Burrow, who is a self-professed nerd and lives at home with his parents in his Star Wars basement bedroom, like he is said this somebody asked him if fish could drown and he said we presumably meaning the entire team researched this and he said that no fish cannot drown and so i learned this by watching bengals interviews so i fully support this new more wholesome educational bengals team and i hope they take it all the way to the national championship i hope they do i hope they win the super bowl (laughs) And then Um, I hope they go on tour and teach the youth of America. The the Bengals used to be called around here the Bungles because they just made a lot of errors. But they've had a big turnaround, and so we're excited about them. Yeah, the kids that are playing now are really good. I call them kids. They're not kids. That's me being an old woman. Yeah. Well, anyway, (laughs) today's episode is about tailgating and the history of tailgating. Now, the episode, um, it's about tailgating, but since we're primarily talking about football, let's throw out some interesting stats about the Super Bowl, which is, of course, the biggest football game of the year. And it's coming up. Do you have any idea what tickets cost? Well, well, yes, I do. Right now, you can buy your tickets online 
for $9,276. Now, those tickets are in the upper level in the end zone. Now, when you move down to the club level, which is closer to the field, they're $12,945. Now, those seats are closer to the field, but they're still in the corner of the end zone. Now, if you want to go and get the nosebleed seats around the 50-yard line, so you're like, you know, you're right there, you know, at at the 50-yard line where you can see everything, but you're way up high. Those tickets right now are going for $13,702 per person. Wow. If you want to sit down at the lower level, so I I, I went to one of the uh, websites to uh, to purchase tickets, <gasps> and I saw what it is. Lower level, row six, if you can still get them, or around around the 40-yard line are selling for $32,560. Now, these aren't scalper prices. Wait, these, wait. these are the prices to go online and buy the tickets well, from the reputable... You said you went to go buy tickets? No, I said I went to the website to go buy tickets. Did you buy them? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and I have a question. Something I've always wondered about, and you are more of a sports guy than I am, so you might know the answer. I don't know. It always amazes me. And I know like you're paying for the things that come with a box. Like, Wait a minute. I have an idea. These aren't even box seats. No, I know. But that's what I was going to say. Like, But but no, let me get this out before I forget okay, it. Okay, what? So if anybody would like to sponsor Stephen Kim to go to the Super Bowl. Oh, we, please, will, we will podcast please, live from the Super Bowl. Please go online and buy two seats. Uh, Literally In anywhere. the lower level. Uh, I row won't take six. anywhere. No, we won't. <laughs> Row six at the 40-yard line. They're only, only $32,560 a seat. So it's not like it's going to cost you a fortune. I will tell you. I'll get my own way out there. If you, yeah, we will drive ourselves. But I will tell you that if you buy us tickets to the Super Bowl at any level and sponsor us, like we will, um, like we will have you on the show with us and we will broadcast live from the show. But anyway. Back we, to my question. We, we, we have never asked for anything on this show except you, give us, except you give us a good rating. Yeah. And we did ask you to vote for us in Best and of And you guys did. And so did. come through with Super Bowl tickets. I, I've got a feeling. <gasps> we have a better chance of this than we do of winning the lottery. Oh, so much better. Yep. Um, but my question was, so I, I understand that box seats include um, like food and drink and uh, climate control, but they're not good seats. Like to actually watch the game, box seats are probably the worst seats in the house, right? No, I think sitting at the far end zone in the quarter, in the corner of the stadium, paying $9,000 to sit outside in Kansas City and freeze. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. That's worse. You're paying for warmth. Yeah, I would rather be sitting in there. Okay, so, that's No, I, I must disagree. Okay. I, no, I, I wasn't necessarily... I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems like you're sitting up so high that I guess... I guess really the appeal of the, like, the expensiveness of the box seats is food and drink and climate control. Well, anyway. Okay, anyway, so... <laughs> Some more stats. There will about be about Super Bowl. Yes, about not box seats. There will be more than 100 million people watching the game on TV. That's a lot. Uh, if the Bengals make it, there will be so many more than that. Just in Cincinnati alone. L- little side note here, because the game comes on late. If you are in Germany, it comes on later in the evening. 
So if you're in the army or the services or wherever you're stationed over there, traditionally the United States Army Europe would give a half day training holiday oh, on Monday. Oh, wow, that's so nice. People, so people could sit up and watch the game. Uh, that's something else I never really thought of. When we are talking about, so when we say 100 million people watching the game on TV, does that include uh, like user and the people that are? I, yeah, I, I mean. Does that include those? Because I bet there's probably several thousand of soldiers who are deployed or families that are stationed overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all included in the. I never really thought about that. Uh, Advertisers will be willing to pay around six million dollars for a 30 second commercial. I saw that and I didn't do the math real quick. I could, but. That's like $187,000 a second or so. And that's just for the advertising time. That's not what actually goes into the production of the commercial itself. That's just to get your commercial on the air for 30 seconds. Right. Plus whatever you have to, you know, if you have big name actors or whatever in your commercials, you got to pay them too. I'm sure it's very, very expensive. An estimated $4.3 billion, with a B was spent on the Super Bowl in 2021. Of course, we don't have the stats for this year yet, which I'm sure it's going to be a whole lot more. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Money brought to businesses is estimated to be over $55 million. So you know the city and county are going to clean up on taxes the Super Bowl is going to generate. That's why people want to fight for it and get the Super Bowl in their town. I mean, that's why people... Want the Olympics in their oh, town. Yeah. Oh, I, yes, but like I, Super Bowl is one thing. I don't think I would want the Olympics in my town. Do you realize that the next solar eclipse, we will be in the zone of totality? I sure do. And we have already talked about, uh, we're going to put our house available as an Airbnb for that weekend or week or whatever. And we will be charging a pretty penny because we can, and someone will pay it. I tell you what, we'll trade you. I was Super just going to say for our house during the the zone of totality. You want the offer? It's on the table. We there it is. wholeheartedly agree. You you can stay for what a week? A week, and Steve will cook. Oh wow! Yep, and he's a good cook, so that is a really good deal. So if you have money to buy a Super Bowl tickets, I would take that deal. We'll flat out trade you. Yep, even trade. But it can't be those corner seats. For that price, yeah, it doesn't we won't have get to seats. be. It doesn't have to be like down low, but it it can't be corner seats. Yeah, we want. Uh, yeah. We can charge Joe. So based on our research from the past zone of totality, we can charge fifteen thousand dollars for somebody to come stay at our house for the week. So I would hope that the tickets that you provide for us are equivalent in dollar amount. Now, don't say that because even the cheap seats, two of those <laughs> didn't even add up. But anyway. Anyway, according to CBS News, tailgating watch parties at the stadium are $350 per person. And you can rent out a 12-person cabana for over $20,000, which is insane to me. Like, how can you charge for t- like tailgating tickets, it, tailgating is just sitting in the parking lot. How do you how do you charge tickets? Maybe they provide some food. Maybe I they guess. provide a big screen. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what? I guess we can say the Super Bowl is big business. But I, I you know, me personally, I always think about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I'm thinking of stuff like all the logistics 
of all the simple things like just getting all the food to the concessions. You know, someone's had to plan and think about how much they're going to need, how many kegs of beer they're going to have to have up there to do this. Somebody has to pay the power bill. Do you remember that a couple years ago when there was like a blackout at the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure that the United States Army has their prime power generation folks there to... Well, now they do. (laughs) To to provide emergency power if something happens. I I know they've done that in the past. The cleanup after the game, that's massive. Can you imagine around just in the stands and all the the stuff that's going to be there? I would hate that. Just think about, too, all the complexity of just televising the game, the the satellite links, the, the talent that has to come in there, putting people up coordinating, you know, the different cameras and all the stuff that has to happen just so we can sit here at home and watch a football game on TV. I also have to go back and I think about just the security that has to go on to keep people safe. What was that movie a couple years ago? I was ago? just going to say, isn't there a movie where um, with it was a a Jack Ryan, uh, All the President's Men or something like that? It was a Jack Ryan movie where... Uh, ben Affleck, I think, played Jack Ryan, and weren't they gonna like blow up the stadium at the Super Bowl? Like, wasn't that like no. one of the premise of the well, movie? Well, I don't know, but there was another movie. It's older, where a blimp came over and they did something. I don't remember yeah. the name of it. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. But think of all that. I mean, they they have to sit there and plan and coordinate with the, lo- yeah the the big people, like all the planning that has to go on for domestic and the foreign terrorism threats that you know oh, have to be I'm out sure. there. Just, you know, the and we just witnessed this, what, two, three weeks ago in Cincinnati, just the coordination of the the medical yes. for all the players and the fans because there's going to be people who are going to get drunk, passed out, yep. have medical emergencies, and yep. they have to plan, they have to take care of all that. Which, shout out to everyone that was involved in DeMar Hamlin's care, uh, UC Medical Center, uh, the ambulance and everything that was there. Um, so grateful that he is up and going and was able to attend the game last week. We are, um, and I know the city of Cincinnati as a whole is so happy that he is doing well. Since uh, the city of Cincinnati gave the key to the city to the medical staff. At oh, UC. that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to them. Yeah. Do you realize they even have to have protocols for drones? Like, what happens if a drone flies over? What happens if a drone flies into the stadium? There's, They have to now have protocols for that. I mean, just I bring all this stuff up just to think about all the the planning there's, there's, and different people that have to plan all and coordinate all this. All these things that you're bringing up are, you're distracting me so much. Because one of the things I've always thought, too, is like they have drones in the stadium with the cameras to get like the overhead shots and stuff. And I've always wondered... I've never been to an NFL game, so I don't know like at what level they fly. But I've always thought, like, what if they get hit by football? Well, they've had to stop a couple games because unauthorized drones have been in there. Of course, you know the people flying the drones for the game; they're trained, they know what to do, and, and right. keep it out of the way. But, but that's why I'm saying, like, one of the drones that's supposed to be there, do they ever get hit by? I've never heard no. of one getting hit by a football. They no. must fly way higher than they. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, I always see these and are it, the things that I wonder about. It, it's it's a federal offense to interfere with the game. Really? I, I you know, let me take that back. I don't know if it's city ordinances or if it is federal. Wow, I don't know. that's interesting. Yeah. So the halftime show is another 
Production. Product. That's putting it mildly. Complexity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to put all that stuff out in that little bit of time. And didn't you say that you thought that the performers of the halftime show are not paid? That's what I read. That's insane that to they, me. They like, I mean, that's, that's yeah. kind of cool, but. Yeah. I mean. So, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Well, needless to say, the Super Bowl is a very complex happening. So, what are we going to do since we aren't going to pay $10,000 a ticket? To go to the game. We're going to hope that somebody comes through from our listening public. But assuming that they don't, I guess we're going (laughs) to just stay at home, sit by the fire and watch the game on TV. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, I don't. I don't know that I would want to go to the Super Bowl, even if somebody did give us tickets, because I have crowd issues. Look, I know. That I want to be home by the fire watching the Bengals in Kansas City play tonight. The temperature in Kansas City is supposed to be down like 10 to 23 degrees. Yeah, no. I'll be right here eating game day food in a very comfortable chair. And when I want to go to the bathroom, I won't be standing in line with 100 drunk guys all waiting to pee. Yeah, I imagine the... Well, I would say I imagine the line for the women's bathroom would be even worse, but maybe oh, it's, not. I it's don't know. It's going to be even worse. I don't know, but you know it is. It yeah, that's is. true. I but I just I, I don't know. I I uh, revoke our offer because <laughs> it's so crowded. Like I don't do I I don't do well in crowds, and yeah, it's going to be cold. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, that's a good lead in to get to the topic of today's episode: tailgating. More specifically, the history of tailgating. And this is one of those topics that we thought would not be a lot to cover, but it turns out that, yeah, there is a history involved with tailgating and there's a lot, not a lot to it, but there's, it's interesting. It's, it's, there's a history there. So can you go ahead and explain exactly what is tailgating? One definition some think of is just following too close to another car and that's called tailgating, but that's not the type of tailgating we're going to talk about today. No. Um, And in fact, actually, when you, it's the first place my mind went when you said, hey, why don't we do a show on tailgating? And I was like, what? No. Tailgating that we are talking about, if you live outside of America, you've never heard of it before. It's the act of arriving prior to an event, typically a sporting event, and having a pre-party consisting of food, friends, and often lots of alcohol. Often. Typically in a stadium or arena parking lot. It starts with people opening up the trunk of their cars and sitting on the tailgate, hence the name. Many stadiums designate tailgate areas at the stadium, which is presumably where you're paying $350 a ticket to go and sit. Yeah, yeah, and, and they keep the tailgaters away from other people parking because yeah. people come on, hey, and want to mooch and stuff like And they want to have their parties and keep it separate. Right, that, yeah. and, and I would imagine, I mean, I don't know, I've never been to like a big tailgate, but... Um, I do, I would think that they probably have each team like has their designated tailgate area so that there are not drunken brawls between. Yeah. yeah you don't want to put stuff. the Cincinnati Bengals and oh, could you imagine, the Pittsburgh like, Steelers yeah, who, in the same, yeah, in the same tailgate yeah. area. No, there, there would be trouble. Yes. Now what started, um, modern tailgating traditions of getting a 12 pack and some hot dogs has turned into major parties sometimes turning the tailgate into a bigger ordeal than the sporting event you paid those $32,000 to see. Tailgating is about celebrating the team that you came to support, and this can't be stressed enough. Lots of alcohol, which is why security is important, because drunk people do dumb things. 
And now today, beer isn't always enough. Like at a minimum, you need to have some craft beer on hand. Like Budweiser, Miller, PBR, not good enough anymore. Yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of the, the a lot of the football crowd, Bud, Bud Light, Coors, Coors Light. Shout out to my pops, who is a Miller High Life man. Yep. But, but yeah, but a lot of people are, you know, if you're going to pay $350 to go to a tailgate, they want some like primo beer. Um, also, the grilling has turned from a simple cookout of a few hamburgers to a competition to see who is able to cook the perfect T-bone or who has the best shrimp cocktail presentation. Or I would imagine there is probably going to be a barbecue competition going on probably right now as we are recording this because it's in Kansas City and we all know Kansas City barbecue. Do you realize that around 35% of people who tailgate don't even go into the stadium to watch the game at $10,000 a ticket for the Super Bowl. I'm not surprised, but that, you know, that's going to happen. People go out there and they just want the party atmosphere yeah, they, and they can yeah. get away with a lot more outside in the comfort the of their, yeah, yeah, outside the, than they can inside the stadium. Yeah. You have worked security for a few of the Bengals games and some of the stories that you've told me, not from, not from the team, but like just from rowdy fans are pretty Pretty crazy. And that's inside the stadium. I can imagine how much worse it is outside the stadium. Most games don't cost anywhere near $10,000 a seat. And we're so we're talking about any given college football game, any pro football game, sometimes even high school football, depending on, you know, where you are in the country. Some of the especially southern states, some of the Midwestern states get way into their high school football games on Friday nights. Yeah. Well, aside from the food we just talked about. It isn't uncommon to find regional foods or recipes that people are going to bring to the game. Like mm-hmm. today, we're going to be having Houday dip that you're going to make. Yep. Now, Houday dip is a concoction using Cincinnati chili, onions, cream cheese, and cheese. Kim, do you want to try to explain what Cincinnati chili is? Oh, because, I would love to explain Cincinnati chili. It's different chili. than chili. It is different yes. than chili con carne, which is what most people think of when they think of chili. Also, uh, I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion here. We talk about my TikTok. Um, I, I share it on the webpage. If you are really interested and you go way back into the uh, history from last year, I did a TikTok series on some of the foods um, in the championship city. So if you want to watch that, you can go find it on my TikTok. But Cincinnati-style chili in particular was brought to America by Nicholas Lambronidis, and I hope that I'm saying that right. He was Greek. He came over in 1912 from Castoria, Greece, and he started work um, eventually with a place called Empress Chili, and he modified his chili, or modified theirs chili, and opened his own restaurant eventually in 1949 in the Price Hill neighborhood of Cincinnati, called it Skyline. Did they have chili wars in Cincinnati? Uh, it's not quite like the pizza wars, but I will say Skyline is not the official chili of the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, it is the official chili of the Cincinnati Reds, Cincinnati Cyclones and the Columbus Blue Jackets. But there is a second chili company that I don't like as well. That is the official um, chili of the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's just move on. (laughs) 
so um cincinnati chili though it's it's not like what it's you, a style it's a style of chili it's got it's runnier um you don't just like sit and eat it with a spoon like you would normal chili you put it on hot dogs you put it on um, spaghetti you put it on spaghetti um you usually cover it with like lots of cheese sometimes you add beans to it onions yeah, so on so yeah i mean they have different ways to order you can a order lot of, yeah a five way yeah. i order my five way without beans that's a four way that's a four-way without beans. Yeah. So, and it's kind of like a rite of passage, I guess, like when you first move to Ohio or the southern part of southeastern Ohio where we are, southwestern Ohio, um, where we are, that people, you know, want you. That's like one of the first things that you're supposed to do. And you either love Cincinnati-style chili or you hate it. Yeah. But trust us, it's good. I love we it. We like it. Yeah. yeah. Now, another example of regionals type stuff is at the University of Alabama their traditions include playing cornhole, beer pong, yellow hammers, and I gotta admit, I don't know what yellow I have hammers are. No idea are. what that is. And here's the big one though: catered Chick Fil A nuggets. How do you? It don't they play games on Sunday? Like, don't they play football games on Sunday? Yeah. How do they get Chick Fil A nuggets on Sunday? I don't know. They <gasps> cater them. Ew! But, so they're but like. No, but no, no. This is this is damn. college. This is college football. So they would be. Saturday. Oh, okay. Most likely Saturday. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's fine then. So what about okay, the, all the pre stuff? <laughs> Let, let's get down to the actual topic of today's show. So what is the history of tailgating? All right. So although it wasn't called tailgating at the time, the practice of tailgating actually started in 1861 at the Battle of Bull Run in the American Civil War when civilians from both sides gathered with picnic baskets to watch the battle and root for their soldiers, which is wild if you really stop and think about that. Enthusiastic Union supporters from the Washington, D.C. area arrived with baskets of food and shouts of Go Big Blue, which oddly reminds me of another football team that we don't like, to watch the opening battle in America's Civil War. Historians generally agree this was a case of the right idea at the wrong time because, you know, war is not supposed to be a spectator sport. But to them, they thought it was going to be just... It's insane The romanticism of war was... Yeah, I guess. I, it is insane to me. But still, for those who attended, there was socializing and tradition, tension and excitement because, you know... Yeah, when they got overrun, and like, there was a lot of excitement. Like they tried lives to get are back on to the DC. line, yeah. people are dying... It's, it's insane. Uh, maybe not the best analogy, but you can see the similarity to the excitement of tailgating in a football game, but with a lot less serious consequences, generally speaking. Well, things evolved, and gathering and eating has probably always been a thing in human nature, but part of the evolution of tailgating was the invention of the chuck wagon. The chuck wagon was a United States Army wagon that was converted by uh, Texas rancher Charles Goodnight into a wagon with the grill on the back. Now, Charles, Chuck, Chuck Wagon, you get the the, the connection there? Mm-hmm. Well, Charles uh, served Chuck ground beef to the ranch hands while they were out working from the Chuck Wagon. Is that why it's called Chuck ground beef, because of this guy? Or was I, it always called that, I wonder? No, I think it was always called that. Huh. The, the Chuck Wagon turned out to be a pretty good mobile meeting place for food and socializing, kind of like the purpose of the tailgate, where you meet with friends and you have a party. 
Goodnight's fully equipped mobile kitchen differs very little from those used by modern tailgaters. Now, take that in context with what we're saying. Right. Obviously, but, you know, it's the same concept here. So, Goodnight's failure to foresee the need for pizza ovens and satellite uplinks in no way diminishes his contribution to the idea and concept of tailgating. Exactly. I mean, do you think it would be fair to call him the father of the tailgate? I, yeah, I, I would do so? that. I would do that. Ex- right. Except now with satellite uplinks, people can just... Virtual tailgating? No, not virtual. You can just... you know, Maybe they had to Zoom tailgate during the uh, during COVID. But Interesting. Now, now with Wi-Fi, yeah. you don't need satellite uplinks. But yeah. 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 There are several theories of where tailgating as we know it today started. There isn't one known first official instance of tailgating at a sporting event the way most think of it today, like the Battle of Bull Run notwithstanding. One school of thought is that it started at Ivy League schools where parking was so limited that spectators had to arrive several hours early to get a spot, and then naturally they had a bunch of time to pass, so they started cooking and had like their own games and fun activities and things. Another theory is that tailgating arose from a popular custom in the early 1900s where families would attend church together and then socialize and eat before walking to a nearby baseball game. And that's actually a tradition that has continued from the turn of the last century, Um, eating after church and socializing and even like getting together to watch the game afterwards. I know a lot of families still do that. Maybe people don't walk to the games anymore, um, but I think a lot of families go to church, cook some food, and then they sit down and watch football or baseball or whatever. Another theory is that the Green Bay Packers coined the term tailgating in 1919, and that's when the term began to be used and associated with the modern-day American football tradition. The story goes that the Packers fans would park their pickup trucks around the field and sit on the bed. The tailgate. Yep. At this time in history, and it was a much more simple time. I love this. They would the popular food were ham, potatoes, and custard. Yeah, I like what we're going to be having tonight. That's so simple and like good and wholesome. Like ham, custard, because they didn't have Houday chili. That's, that's true. It was Green Bay. Um, this was one year before the start of Prohibition, so they probably had cheese curds. Yeah, right. Ooh, yeah. So I'm sure fans were enjoying every last sip of wine, whiskey, rum, and beer. And actually, did you know that there's an American Tailgater Association? Nope. Does that surprise you? Nope, because <laughs> it probably sits next to the American Cornhole Association. Yeah, oh, that's they, a whole other are. thing. Like, uh, if yeah. you don't know what cornhole is, it's a, I, I guess it's played everywhere because now there's like, it's like a big deal sport. But basically, it's kind of like a sort of different version of horseshoes where I think you, it's still on like ESPN 20 or something. <laughs> so basically cornhole is also something that you play a lot at tailgate parties. It's basically like two um like boards, wooden boards and you throw, throw a beanbag bean bag into a hole. So that's cornhole. According to the American Tailgater Association, tailgating began at the first intercollegiate the, football The bean bags game. are filled with corn. That's why it's called cornhole. Oh, <laughs> I okay. didn't know that. Okay, anyway, <laughs> Um, The first intercollegiate football game uh, tailgate was between Princeton and Rutgers in 1869. Fans gathered to grill sausages at the tail end of a horse, giving rise to the name. Where does the gate park come in? Um, I don't know. Maybe the 
horses were tethered to a gate. I don't know. Another likely theory is that tailgating started in the 1900s when most people were traveling by sporting event um, or to a sporting event by train. Fans would bring their own food to the game since there were no food vendors in sports stadiums like today. And thus the practice of modern tailgating was born. Again, I've got to ask, where is the gate? I mean, I, mean, I, I can see the practice in the idea here, but where's the gate? Um, I don't know. I mean, they probably didn't have a formal name for it back then. Maybe the gate is like the gate to the stadium and like that's where they all gathered. I don't know. Maybe. The invention of the automobile greatly contributed to the upcoming tradition of pre-football partying and the post-World War II popularity of station wagons may be the source of providing both a name and a platform for the popular and -and up-and-coming tradition. The term tailgating, whether being coined pre-war with the Packers or post-war, really, unfortunately, cannot be determined. It could also be the case of simultaneous happenings, like what often happens in science and the independent discoveries or inventions, like some examples, the wheel, the polio vaccine, calculus, and there's many, many other things that just happen in different places of the world at the same time. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of that has to do with the technology and what was there, and could people be. people started thinking about this. You know what? That could be a really interesting future episode right there. Get on it. Yep. During the 1980s and 1990s, tailgating took on a life of its own and turned into a social movement of sorts. As gas grills became more portable and coolers grew wheels... <laughs> I can only think of Hank Hill. <laughs> rows of parking spots transformed themselves into communities, some with their own names and flags. The ultimate tailgates in these lots are almost worthy of being judged along the line of parade floats. Now, I've seen some pretty customized vehicles and contraptions at the Bengals tailgating area in Cincinnati. Like you mentioned, we used to have to work down there for fundraisers with security and stuff like that. So we would have to go through some of these areas. I mean, there are some pretty clever and creative people that have designed some of the most creative things I have ever seen to, to, to do that. I mean, we, you know, there's, we see that one bus up here. It's like this little short school bus uh-huh. that's all painted up, decked out in like bingle stripes yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. They go down to the game and there's lots of buses from all over. They, they go there. It's and, wild. You know, when they start pulling out the stuff, it's, it's party central down there. I bet. Yeah. TV monitors, monster RVs, the cornhole games, really elaborate foods, barbecues or grills rigged up on the vehicles or trailers that are hauled in, the luxury, comfortable chairs and methods just to keep out of the elements, to like keep you dry, keep you warm. When they go down there, they're ser- serious. They're down there for a party. Now, a guy named Stephen Lynn has published a book about tailgating called The Ultimate Tailgater's Handbook, and it's from Rutledge Hill Press, 224 pages long, just about tailgating. Wow. His book details just how elaborate tailgating can get. Lynn gives instructions on how to tailgate at every level from equipment checklist to recipes. Wow. Yeah. How to tailgate. All right. Step one, get a truck. No. Um, There are even Facebook and Instagram pages and several magazines devoted to tailgating. One of the magazines is called, creatively enough, Tailgate Magazine. Their description... Tailgater Magazine provides the most unique consumer audience showcase on the subject of tailgating and backyard barbecuing available today. 
covering the nation's top tailgate destinations and the tailgaters who make it happen. Each issue features entertaining articles, great food and drink recipes, and cool gear and products to make your next tailgate or backyard barbecue party the best ever. Which actually, like, that sounds like a pretty good magazine. I never lie. knew there was so much to tailgate. Not going to lie. That sounds like a pretty good magazine. I would read it for the recipes. And I mean, I don't really care about the. I'd like to see the pictures. Some of the things. Yeah. 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 I don't really care about the cool gear and products necessarily, but like. I do. Where to go. The tailgate destinations and the recipes, food and drink recipes. I We should get a subscription to Tailgater Magazine. You can get it online. Is it free? It's quarterly. I don't think so. Ah, well. Anyway, somehow I feel like we have just scratched the surface of tailgating. And while not technically a tailgate party, we will be going to a Bengals watch party where we will be enjoying all that healthy food from the comforts of home. Yes. Steve will be making wings. Yes. His version of what he calls pierogies, which we call stirogies. And we will have be, be having hude dip, shrimp cocktail, other dips, different trays. Veg- so we we will have some veggies. I don't know if anybody's going to eat them, but they're, they're going to be there. So you're probably wondering what Steve's pierogies are. So I'm going to just share my secret real quick. Oh, that's nice. It's, it's nothing fancy. Yeah. I take Pillsbury crescent rolls, heat up some Bob Evans mashed potatoes, Mix in some bacon bits and some onions. Put a spoonful or a dollop of the potatoes on the crescent roll. Fold it all up. Kind of press it down so it'll hold stuff on the top. Sprinkle cheese on top and then sprinkle some paprika all over that. It's delicious and they heat up really, really well. Yep. And they're they're, they're good the next day. They're nothing like pierogies at all, but... They're delicious. We didn't have a better name for it, so that's what we call them. You know, they're more like pasties. Up there pasties pasties they, yeah yeah, yeah they are yeah, yeah the little handheld yeah deliciousness so what are your other favorite game day foods like what do you like to eat on game day i'm fixing it today besides <laughs> I mean, that like i would be wings? good i'm good with hot dogs i'm good with hamburgers i'm good with wings it's the junk food you know we talk about state fair food it's just that i just yeah yeah fried 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 things i won't be frying the wings Oh, are you going to put them in the air fryer? No, it's not enough room for the air fryer. They're oh, going yeah. to bake them. I, do you feel like there is room for sweets? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. I don't really think of like cookies or anything at well, a tailgate. That stuff doesn't usually go with beer so well. Yeah. Anyway, do other countries tailgate? Why, yes, they do. They do it in some sort of fashion that's unique to their location and their traditions. And a lot of this stuff is just driven by necessity. So it may be not like what we think of tailgating here, but let me give you an example of pre-gaming I saw in Germany. Okay. So when I lived in Grafenwehr, Germany, my mom and dad came to visit, so we took the train down to Munich to see, just to sightsee. And, you know, as I think about it, in fact, I think we were going down to meet my old elementary school principal, who my mom and dad do well, because they were all principals together at the time who was in Germany with the Ohio State Alumni Band, and wow. they were doing performances at several different locations. Well, that's cool. There were like 40 or 50 of them out there. That's yeah. neat. Now, there was one lady with the group that she had been a drum major at, you know, back in college, mm-hmm. and she was doing her thing, twirling her baton. Now, now keep in mind, all these alumni at this time were in their late 60s or early 70s. 
this lady threw that baton way up in the air, did a cartwheel, caught the baton, and then went down into the splits. Oh, my gosh. She was 70 years old or something like that. I would legit break a hip. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was pretty impressive. Uh, Yeah. It was also, like, you know, being an Ohio State fan, it was also pretty neat to be in Germany and hear all the Ohio State music that, you know, that's custom and tradition (laughs) for Ohio State in one of the plazas, like Wait. we weren't Marian plots, but it was one of those plazas in downtown Munich. Did they that all, was cool? Did they all start looking at you weird when you started yelling? Oh, no, because a lot of people I, were. Oh. There were a lot of people doing that. Oh, cool! Did yeah. the Germans join in? Like with the they hands didn't know what we're doing. They were like, "What in the world?" They, they didn't know Crazy what we're Americans. doing. But the Americans who were there, they knew what was oh, going cool. on. But back to my story, because I got I got sidetracked again. So Bayern München was playing soccer that day, and we were on the train, so a lot of their fans were too. They were just like us. They were all decked out in their 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 apparel, their yeah. fan apparel, just like we do here in the United States. I feel like football, like football in whichever form it takes, American football or soccer, those are the fanatics. Yeah. Well, in the aisle of the train on the floor, they had what looked like a five-gallon bucket filled with who knows what kind of alcohol. Ooh. I think it was something like back in the day we call it a Wapatula mix, but everybody would just bring a bottle and pour it into the bucket. Oh. Everyone within five or six rows of that bucket had a length of plastic tubing, and they ran it into the bucket, and they were all sitting there in oh the train gosh. Sucking, <laughs> sucking like straws. This plastic tubing, they were primed and ready by the time Germans they got off that are, train. The Germans are putting us to shame with their tailgating. Now, they were having a good time, and we just happened to be sitting kind of in the middle of this group. But they were very friendly and a sharing group of sports fans. They they shared their concoction. concoction. They said, here, you know. They I can me. imagine your parents. Like, they're, your parents are I think are my dad very, tried it. I think my dad did. I know I did. Yeah, your parents yeah. are just very, um, like, when you picture, like, good, wholesome people, that's Steve's parents. Like, they're just, they're very nice, and they probably would have really had fun with it, but just the idea of your mom drinking, like, random bits of alcohol poured into a bucket. I don't know if she did. funny to me. But, like, they shared their concoction, and they even invited us to go to the game with Aww. them. Yeah. So maybe instead of calling it tailgate, we could call it I don't, a train gate. I don't know. <laughs> but the principle was the same. Fans getting together to have a good time, socialize with other fans, talk trash about the other team, and, of course, lots and lots of alcohol was present. It's. I mean, that's a yeah. thing. Well, that was when I was in Germany. But I did look up and see what's done in, in the U.K. And what I found, while not exactly the same, the ideas of fans Getting together, pre-gaming with all the social activities is there, but with the difference. According to the Reddit post that I read, the gatherings usually take place in a pub. And again, as I said, this is because location and necessity. The explanation I found was that in many stadiums in the UK, they're in the middle of very, very old towns, and most of the people take the train because of parking and traffic. So they hold their pregame traditions, guess where, in the local pubs. Which honestly seems a lot safer. Yeah. And you don't want to be drinking all that alcohol and then get behind the wheel. Well, that was mentioned that after the game, they can hop on the train and go home. It's a lot safer. Yeah. This is one of the things I enjoy, different traditions and customs. Because I honestly, I think it would be awesome to go to a pub with some soccer fans just to sit there and drink a pint with them and 
and, and I, have a good time with them. Yeah, it reminds we we did that. Remember when the World Cup um was like the I don't know if it, it wasn't the last time the World Cup was, was held. Two but or it three was times. Two, yeah. Uh, we went to a local, one of our local pubs that was having, like, they were showing all the games, and I uh, no longer work for the place that I did then, so I can say that I skipped down on a half day of work and went down to the pub, and we hung out with the soccer fans and had a good time. And it also kind of reminds me of when we've gone to Columbus Blue Jackets games, the hockey team. The arena is downtown, and there's an arena district, and all the pubs and bars are all packed with fans, and Everyone's having a great time. Yeah, and so it, there's definitely reasons for people doing what they do. You know, I've, I've never been to a pro basketball game, but I imagine it's similar based on where most venues seem to be. And I guess a lot of that depends on the situation and the location. Yeah, I mean, I've, and that's what I've been thinking, too. Like, I don't really think of tailgating like the term tailgating and what we think of as tailgating as far as gathering in a parking lot around the stadium. Pre-gaming. Pre-gaming is one thing, but tailgating I think is something different. And I, when I think of tailgating, like I said, I think of it as like literally on the tailgate in the parking lot. And I think that's different than pre-gaming. Pre so like tailgates are a form of pre-game. Yeah. But I don't. A much developed form yeah, of pre-game. I don't. Oh, I don't think of tailgating. I don't affiliate it with any sport other than football. No, I, I don't either. Which it's, is really interesting. Yeah. But I wonder. But every, everything else, would we'd say, hey, let's go pregame before yeah. this happens. I wonder why that is, though, that like they don't. Because, I, you know, if you go to a basketball game or whatever. The Packers. Or a soccer game or a hockey game. Like you see pregame and postgame, but it's not in the parking lot. And it's not like a big deal like football tailgating is. Yeah. I wonder why people just picked football the as Packers, a sport. The Packers. Yeah, I and, guess. And, you know, we don't have, or we didn't have, pro soccer. Well, yeah. Yeah, and then if you think about it, back in the day when all this was developing, a lot of the baseball stadiums were downtown. Like, if you go to Chicago, the Cubs, everything is downtown. Yeah. And so it, it's it's more like, I think, what would happen in in the UK where people go down and they, they go to the local pubs and the bars and then they wander over. That's true. And we can, I can tell you. Uh, so our <laughs> Dayton was the first NFL team in the national playoffs, the Dayton triangles. And I can personally vouch that the park in which they used to practice had plenty of room for tailgating. Mm. Still does. Yep. If you are so inclined. Yeah. Oh, I was just thinking too, like going back to Chicago. Mm -hmm. So the Billy Goat Tavern, which famous Saturday Night Live skit, cheeburger, 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 that thing You've and all that there. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So we went last time we were in Chicago, we went to eat there and reading the history on the walls. And back when they first started, they had um, the guy's bar was like right next to the baseball stadium, and people would come in there to uh -huh. uh, like to, to hang out, you know, before the game and pregame and do all that. And the reason they call it the Billy Goat Tavern is you can Google this and look it up. But one day a goat <laughs> came off a truck or something. Was it like the Army Navy game and the Navy goat like made its way in? No, it, the goat just went into the bar and they kept it. So. I feel like that's the beginning of a joke. A goat walks into a bar. Yeah, well, there's more to the story that the guy, you know, they. 
everyone got attached to the goat, and he tried to take the goat to the game, and they wouldn't let the goat in, so Aww. he supposedly put a curse on him. Oh. And they lost the World Series. Oh, <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. And that place doesn't look like... is. I've never been there. Um, is it as small as it looks? Like, I, I feel like that would be a really small... It is, and it's Place. it's under the under the street level. There's oh, yeah. a street. There. It's it's a pretty cool place. We should if we, next time we go, we'll go there. Okay, because it's the burgers were good. Yeah, and the prices, it wasn't really. And the prices me, were outstanding. It really? Was, yeah. You sent me a picture of the burger, and I was like, "This doesn't look like anything fancy." Like it tasted good, just like a burger that you would fix yeah, at home. They, they had a good anything. steak. They had a good steak sandwich too. Ooh. We we actually went back ate there two nights. Wow, because it was so good. Yeah. Nice, cool. So there's the plug for um, the Billy Goat Tavern. For the Billy Goat Tavern, yeah. Very cool. All right, well, there you go. The history of tailgating. We have got to go upstairs. I've got to get some wings ready. Yeah, I got to make my Houday dip. And I'm going to make some Steve Rogies. Yep. Yep. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm super excited for this game. Um, hoping that they win. I hear that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be playing. So, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Mixed feelings, I guess, but, but it should be a good game. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Any other business we need to close up right now? Uh, I don't think so. Um, again, a plug for the website. It's an hour of your life.com. Um, I, when, when you are working on making your stirogies, I'm going to update my portion of the page, which I do weekly. Um, I, it's called a minute of your life. And like I said, I have a TikTok channel that I do basically the same kind of content that we do here except in one minute bursts and it's something different so um yep and podbean did something with the uh with the podbean website website where we hang all the uh the podcast mm -hmm. and they they got rid of our regular picture up there and I have to go back through and put something in oh I we got warning it was going to happen but I waited to see what it was going to look like so Honestly, I know what to put in there we need an updated photo of the two of us so if you are in the Dayton area and you are interested in uh doing a photo for us not for free obviously we would pay you but I mean <coughs> if, you, if you want to do it for free we'll give you a shout out we can interview you if you want but if you're in the Dayton area give us a call we'd love to work with you Yep. So you kind of mentioned where can they find us? Yep. Uh, you can also write to us, uh, a lost hour at gmail.com. We also honestly, that's the best way to get hold of us. Yeah. There is also a button on the website on the homepage that you can, it's like a communicate button and it goes directly to the, the email. It, it, so it redirects you to yep. the Gmail. So account. actually the best place to go is an hour of your life.com because it has links to our Facebook links to our Instagram links to our email and links to all the episodes. Absolutely. So, uh, it's got a photo and gallery. Pictures. Yep. I was just gonna say it's got a photo gallery. It's got our story. It's got if How you want to do web page. if yeah if you want to do a podcast, he has a very in depth page about how to do a podcast. It's actually we put a lot of time and effort into it. So go check out anhouroflife.com. Yeah. So if you really really want to help us out, you know, and you know if you really do, go ahead and send us those uh, Super Bowl tickets. We'll sell them. But but short of that, <laughs> if you really want to help us out. Go through, leave us a positive rating. We're on all all the platforms from Apple to Spotify to iHeartRadio. We're we're on all the everywhere. Platforms. You yeah. can't escape us. Yeah. So go through, leave us some positive uh, ratings, some good comments for us, and the best thing you can do to help us out. And I say this all the time: 
we're not making any money off this. It's just for fun. Mm-hmm. It's just for our entertainment. But it is fun to watch and see how many people like the show, like different episodes. You the, love your metrics. The feedback that we get from people and the conversations we have. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's fun. It's it a pastime. Fun. It's a hobby. So help us out. Share us with with your friends. You know, right there when I posted on uh, Facebook, you can hit the share button and share with your friends. Say, hey, this is a really, really good podcast. They teach us so much valuable information. It's educational. Yeah, They absolutely. should put this on Sesame Street. Shout out to the girl at Clash, Dayton Boutique, who said that she is going to start playing us over the speaker system. Yeah, if her boss allows her. I'm sure Mary will. She's cool. Yeah, that, anyway. that's a whole other conversation right there, how that got started. <laughs> but it has to do with Sarah. Sarah Kay is coming, hopefully will be coming back on in October. She has written another book. Um, it is ghost stories from Dayton, Ohio. And so hopefully we're going to have her back on in October to plug her book and tell us some of the stories. So um, it, it'll be perfect for spooky October. I'm so looking forward to it. That's a long way off though. All right. If that's all. That's it. From our studios in, oh gosh, make sure you put Sugar Creek Township. Oh, let's not get into this yeah, whole thing. Because if you put Bellbrook, Steve had a run-in with the post office the, the other day. The post office doesn't recognize our address. Anyway. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. So, from our studios in Sugar Creek Township. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Hooday! Sources for this week's episode include Collegiate Times, TicketCenter.com, Fee.org, Forbes, AmericanHeritage.com, Stephen Lynn, Magster.com, and TheRichest.com.